Welcome to episode number six of The Urbanist Live, the podcast produced by the Urban Development Institute of Australia in WA. I'm your host, Tanya Steinbeck, CEO of UDIA WA. And in this episode, I'm talking again to UDIA's Director of Policy and Research, Chris Green. And we'll be unpicking WA's state budget recently announced, looking at some key stats and information from the recently released Urban Intelligence Report. And we'll be looking at some of the preliminary figures from the September quarter ahead of the Urban Development Index due for release shortly. So thanks for joining me again today, Chris. Yeah, hi, Tanya. So let's let's sort of start with the budget. So we had a budget lockdown last week where the Premier and uh, Treasurer briefed all of the industry bodies on the key components of the state budget. And obviously one of the, the big ticket items was the record infrastructure investment. But obviously everybody's been quite surprised, mixed messages, I suppose, in terms of the feedback on on a operating surplus in a COVID environment. What were the, some of the sort of key takeouts from your perspective? Yeah, Tanya, I think it was a pretty solid budget. I think no question. The key standout for me was the fact that the WA economy managed to grow in the last financial year. It was pretty pretty amazing, really, when you think what we've been through. So we had 1.1% GSP growth, which is which is pretty good. Obviously, mining was uh, has been a strong sector throughout that, and it's really supported the economy. So that really has helped to generate a surplus, which was. Uh, I think 1.2 billion, which was down on on previous estimates, but it's still very uh, health surplus, which is good. I guess for our industry, there, there was no no announcement there. We we called for an extension to the to the building bonus. It's a little bit disappointing we didn't see that, but there was an additional allocation made to that fund. So further 30 million was assigned to the scheme that takes the total allocation to 147 million. Now, if you work back on $20,000 per new home contract, that effectively equates to 7,350 lots, which is what Treasury, I guess, is forecasting will will qualify for the grant. I reckon that's that's about right. It's probably broadly aligned with, with our figures. It's it's consistent with water corporate figures, which are perhaps the, the best ones out there. They obviously um, they, they deal with all the lock connections, so, so they're probably the most uh, robust data sets. It's pretty consistent with the figures that they have. But beyond that, obviously, there's a lot of infrastructure spend, which is not surprising given, given where we are with our economy, but there's nothing really in there for our industry. I guess what everyone's been looking at is population growth and to see where we are, and particularly around the borders and when we're going to reopen. Now, the, a couple of clues there. I guess the first one was in the federal budget, which came just a few days before the state one. They're anticipating that our state borders were reopened on the 1st of April, and then we'd start to see towards the end of 2021, international migration coming back. Similarly, state budget pretty much reflected those uh, those dates with the reopening of the state border from the 1st of April. So not surprising, just after the state election. I think they're the best indicators we've got of when we may see some population growth start to come back. I think what was interesting in the budget was WA's population growth was reasonably well. We also saw the ABS bring out their population figures in March, for, for March, just a couple of weeks ago. And interestingly there, we saw a 1.5% increase for WA, which is which is pretty good. Uh, obviously, that's really pre-COVID at, at the end of March. But when we look at the state budget forecast, it's quite interesting to see that obviously we're going to see a decline with with the with the borders closed, but they're still expecting 0.8% growth in the 2020 to 2021 financial year, which is reasonably healthy, followed by a 0.7% in 2021 
2022. And then once the borders reopen, then beyond that, we're going to see that while well, they're forecasting a lift of, of 1% and 1.3% in 2022-23 and 23-24. But you sort of wonder if they've undercooked that a little bit. Uh, when you look at the mining industry, how well that's performing, certainly there's, there's one or two signs that perhaps we're seeing some strong interstate migration. It's difficult to know because obviously we still don't have those figures available. The Chamber of Minerals and Energy put out some figures. So about 10% of the, of the PIFO workforce, with 60,000 people in, the, in that workforce, come from interstate. About 3,000 of those have moved to WA since the outbreak. So 3,000 workers there plus whatever families come in. When you look at the caps on the on the border, so the restriction dropped to 500 per week between July and September. But over last year, our net migration was 435 a week. So it's still that cap is still above the net migration figure. So potentially, you know, it's still a fair bit of migration coming in. If you look at our overseas arrivals for the year up to March, it was 54,000 there, but we actually lost 30,000 overseas departures. So there's potentially 30,000 people there who are not moving overseas, mm. and plus whatever's coming back. So I think the population figures may be a little bit better than uh, than what is in the budget. And certainly if you look at the rental vacancy rate, it's at an all-time low. It's pretty tight. That To me, that indicates that maybe maybe our population growth is a little bit higher than uh, than what we're seeing in the figures. And there's just a lag there. So I'll be interested, really interested to see when we get the figures for June and then September to see actually where we are and where our population's at. And it's certainly reflective of speaking to our members anecdotally, particularly over probably the last two to four weeks, really, there, there's an increasing sense of positivity amongst our members at the moment, particularly around what we might be experiencing from a market perspective next year in 2021. There was some sort of a reservation, I suppose, as to when the building bonus and the stimulus packages come to an end, whether or not we would be facing a cliff. But there seems to be an increasing sense of optimism out there. Is that something that you're experiencing as well? Yeah, I think so. And it's also interesting when you look at the budget again, you look at their their dwelling investment forecasts. There's some fluctuation there, but their forecasts to go well. So so this financial year, we're expected to see a 0.75 lift and then a 13% or 13.25% growth in 2021 to 22, which is obviously based off the uh, the building stimulus. We fall back then in the, in the subsequent year in 2022 to 23 of 17%, but then we come back nearly 3% in 23, 24. So some fluctuations there, but certainly strong growth in the in the short term off the back of the stimulus. And interestingly, when you look at some of the mortgage lenders, they've got some sort of wild fluctuations as well in, in, in their forecast. So Westpac, they're anticipating prices to decline across uh, the nation by about 5% through to the end of the year. But this is a big improvement though on their previous expectations of 10%. And they actually highlighted resilience in Perth and Adelaide as being key to supporting that, uh, I guess, that reduced decline. But then subsequent to that, they're, they're actually anticipating quite a big surge and up to 15% increase in median dwelling prices. And they're putting that down to basically big gains in Brisbane and Perth. So they're ex expecting an 18% increase in Perth. And really what's going to drive that is the low interest rates, which I think everyone's anticipating are going to be around for a, for a while yet. Yeah. The strong financial support and investment by the government in 
in infrastructure in particular. So there's some pretty healthy signs there. I think the key in those Westpac figures, though, that they don't include population, and it's still perhaps up for debate, but certainly, certainly nationally anyway. But I think the WA, I think our population growth is probably a bit more solid than than elsewhere. It's going to be interesting to see exactly where the shifts are. I mean, obviously the listings are down at the minute, so we're still we're hovering around 10,000 listings in the established market per month, which is down from about 13,000 on average, same time last year. But the selling days is really coming down, so we're down to 30 days now, which is quite a significant fall from literally just, I guess you probably go back to last year is probably the equivalent. So, and then we were, average selling days was close to 60. So we've we pretty much halved the, the, the selling days, although obviously it's probably a, a fact that there's a, the listings are down is probably helping to drive that. But there's certainly some positive signs there. Well, it's certainly going to be interesting when the borders do reopen, particularly around addressing some of the labour constraints across the mining construction sector in particular and to watch the impact on, on net interstate migration in particular and, and how that drives further activity in the market. So outside the budget, we've also just got our latest figures in for the Urban Development Index, which we're going to be releasing soon. What are some of the highlights that you've seen come through from the initial data? Yeah, so it's again, it's very similar to the previous quarter. So uh, our preliminary figures are 3,687 lots sold. It's pretty consistent with, with the last quarter. It's not much change in percentage terms. But obviously what we're seeing is a lot of those lots coming through are going to be titled towards the end of the year, which really does put a lot of pressure on, on Langate, I guess, in particular, but all the, uh, all the approval agencies. So hopefully we can get all those lots to market and, and we can make those deals stick. Uh, when we look at the weekly figures, there's been a you know gradual erosion there, but the numbers are still still holding up. So we had 132 sales at the end of last week, which was a little bit down on 136 the week, the week before, and it's sort of it's slowly it's coming down. So back at the end of August, we were we were on 165. So that the current trend is about 150 sales per week, but that's falling by about 10 per week sales, but. It'll be interesting to see if there's a bit of a rush before the end of the year and if there's any announcement on on the extension to timeframes or, or anything like that, what that does to, uh, to sales, but also whether there is much capacity or there's much demand, latent demand that's out there that really hasn't hasn't been able to get a deal at the minute. So it's I guess it's still anyone's guess exactly where we're going to go, but I, I think it's going to hold up reasonably well to the end of the year. Excellent. So one of the other things that we saw happen this week was the launch of the state government's housing strategy on Wednesday morning by the minister. And interesting to see what sort of impact that has on further construction activity. There's obviously commitment there already for the social housing economic recovery package, which will also continue to drive demand for, for construction. Was there anything in the budget for anything additional to support the housing strategy implementation? No, I think that's the key uh, thing that we're, we're waiting to see exactly what happens. So I think the strategy is pretty robust and there's plenty of options within that strategy. So certainly it's not going to limit the state's ability to do whatever it wants to do. But there's no funding or there doesn't appear to be any funding attached to to, to that strategy yet. So I guess we'll wait to see what happens and, and what comes out of that. I think Tim Lee was pretty pretty bullish about that strategy being the start of the process and really was the start of the journey and, and then now we can start to roll out an action plan and, and deliver things. So 
think he was perhaps a little bit frustrated. It's perhaps taken as, as long as it has to be delivered, but we're there now. So hopefully you'd imagine as we as they move into their second term that uh, we can really start to see some action in that space. Mm, absolutely. Well, it'll be very interesting to see whether some of that operating surplus starts to be eroded as we see further election commitments announced between now and March. So before we finish, I just wanted to thank Chris for talking to me today about the budget, the urban intelligence and some of the housing stimulus measures and what impact that's having on the ground. But as we always do in every podcast, need to deliver a message in a bottle for our listeners to take away with them. So what's your message in a bottle for today? Tanya, I think as you touched upon, I think there's a lot of confidence in the air and I think next year is shaping up to be a little bit more solid than, than we first anticipated a few few weeks and few months ago. So yeah, I think just positive times are not too far away. Fantastic. Well, we can only hope after 2020. I think everybody's ready for some positivity. So thank you very much for listening in today. I hope the discussion's been of value to you. This podcast has been produced to complement our quarterly magazine, The Urbanist, which explores a variety of thought leadership topics, providing new insights to assist you and your business. Our magazine is made available to our members and anybody who wishes to subscribe, head to our website, udiawa.com.au for more information.